You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Mondays are always easier after a Sacramento Kings win, right? Welcome into the Locked On Kings podcast. This is your daily hub for Sacramento Kings coverage each and every single weekday. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with all the local and national experts, as well as player and coach audio, this is the place for you. And it's all season long, all off-season, NBA draft, free agency, summer league. We have it all right here for you from January. January through December, every single year, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm from Sports 1140 KHDK. That's the flagship radio station of the Kings in Sacramento. I work there as an on-air host and a multimedia journalist and reporter. And today at KHDK, we are celebrating something that hasn't happened since 2007-2008. The Kings have won 34 games in a season, ladies and gentlemen. When we began this season, I said here over the summertime and going into the start of this year in early October, I said here on this very podcast that all I wanted from the Kings this year, and I believe they could do it, but my goal, my measuring stick, my uh, my, my my celebration line, I guess, was the Kings winning 34 or more games because they would one, win the most games they've won since the 2007-2008 season, and two, they would win more games than they ever won with DeMarcus Cousins. Now, that is not a negative DeMarcus thing, as many of you I know believe me to have any some kind of vendetta against DeMarcus or to not like DeMarcus or to try and take cheap shots at DeMarcus. That's not my point here whatsoever. It's always been a measuring stick, and a lot of it has to do with Vlade Divac's Not DeMarcus Cousins. When Vlade traded DeMarcus just over two years ago, in February of 2017, he said that if this team was not better in two years, he would step down. Well, we are a little over two years later, and officially this Kings team, I mean, they've been better all this season. We knew they were better, but officially, as of last night, when the Kings defeated the Chicago Bulls 129-102 to inside the Golden 1 Center, the Kings are better than they ever were with DeMarcus Cousins, and that's with a young core that has yet to find an established superstar. The future is bright. The DeMarcus Cousins era is over, and that's one of the things we're going to be discussing here today on the Locked on Kings podcast is this 34-win season. This win last night in Chicago is the closure that the remaining fans that are just holding on to what could have been with DeMarcus Cousins You can now officially let that go. And if you still can't, then nothing will. The Kings, statistically, mathematically, factually, are a better team now than they ever were with DeMarcus Cousins. That's not a shot. That's a fact. So we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be discussing this Kings win. In uh, or against Chicago last night. The Kings also played on Friday in Philadelphia against the 76ers, but we're not really going to discuss that. Newsflash, the Kings lost that game as we expected them to, 123-114, to the final score in that game. The only thing really worth mentioning and talking about in that game, not that it was a horrible game by any means, but the 76ers did what they were supposed to do. They're a good team on their home floor, and they won. But Marvin Bagley returned from injury, played through a minutes restriction, or rather he was on the the second night of a back-to-back returning uh, from injury, and he continued 
to play well. And I'm very pleased that Dave Yeager and the Kings training staff elected to play him on the second night of a back-to-back, even though he's still going through a minutes restriction. And Jaeger said he's going to be still having this minutes restriction for the next couple of games, although gradually he's going to see those minutes increase. But I'm glad Bagley played on the second night of a back-to-back, and once again, he had a uh, an impact with this team off the bench as he had consistently. Not as big of an impact, though, as he had in this win against the Chicago Bulls. The Kings return home, begin a four-game homestand, and this four-game homestand is, I guess, quote-unquote easy. It's one of the easier homestands of the season, and let's put it this way. There are four very winnable games in this four-game homestand, and you got it started the way you were supposed to, and this was a much-needed win for this Kings team, not just the fact that they got the win, but in the manner that they got it. They took on a Chicago Bulls team that, quite frankly, and I tweeted this out before the game, when, um I always want to call him Wenyan Gabriel, and I don't know why. Uh, but Wendell Carter Jr. is injured. He's been injured for much of this season. But you add him to this Chicago Bulls starting lineup and you take Robin Lopez out of that starting lineup, I really like this starting five that the Chicago Bulls has. Now they need to work on their bench, ultimately. They need to get more talent and they need to get more, uh, more, more seasons under their belt together as a unit. But assuming... Wendell Carter Jr. is healthy. You're looking at a starting five in Chicago, as of right now, of Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, Otto Porter Jr., Lori Markkinen, and Wendell Carter. That's a damn good starting five with a lot of potential in the future. But the Bulls are not a good team right now. They have a couple of really good pieces, but they're not a good team right now. And the, kid, the Kings, they returned home, and they dominated on their home floor. Now, they did get off to a bit of a slow start. The Kings returned from Philadelphia last night, or rather yesterday morning, early on in the morning. They got home, I think, around 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And then 12 hours later, they had a matinee game in Sacramento at 3 o'clock, a 3 o'clock tip-off in the Golden 1 Center last night. So you could see the the Kings got off to a bit of a slow start, especially offensively. Both teams were trying to really figure themselves out. The Kings looked a little bit sluggish out of the gate. Shots weren't falling. It wasn't bad. They weren't playing bad. It just wasn't their their best start. But they figured it out, and they turned it on quickly, especially in that second and third quarter, right? The Kings outscored the Bulls 32-17 to in the second quarter and 43-31 to in the third. I'm going to talk about the bench contribution in just a little bit, but let's start with the starting five. De'Aaron Fox, 17 points on 6 of 12 shooting. Also had 3 assists, so it wasn't his best distribution game. But he only played 25 minutes, which is good. I mean, get him get him some rest here towards the end of the season. Especially with the fact that you haven't been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. And I know, I mean, he said it after the game. He said that they're still approaching every single game as it's must win. And they're still approaching every single game. He said nothing's changed. They're still going for the playoffs. As long as it's mathematically possible, they're going for it. Now, they're going to need a lot, of, a lot of help, and he and everybody in that locker room is aware of that. But they're handling what they can handle. They're worrying about what they can control, which is making sure you win these games that you're supposed to win at home, but making sure you try and win and do win every game for the remainder of this season because that's essentially what it's going to take to get in. And even then, you might not get in. But De'Aaron Fox, 17 points, 25 minutes. Buddy Heald had 16 points, also on 6 of 12 shooting, went 2 of 3 from 3-point range. 
it was a quiet game for him offensively, and he was actually outscored by his cover in Zach Levine for Chicago. Levine was the leading scorer for the Chicago Bulls in this game with 18 points, but Buddy Heald had a fantastic defensive game, I thought. Zach Levine, 7 of 18 from the field. Did go 2 of 3 from 3-point range, but Zach Levine, we know he's athletic. He gets to the rim, he draws fouls, and he throws down dunks. And Buddy Heald, I thought, did a fantastic job of staying in front of him, and the rotating bigs were on point when Buddy Heald did get beaten, which wasn't very often. Head coach Dave Yeager asked after the game, brought that fact up. He said he thought Buddy Heald had his best defensive performance of the season. Zach Levine's not an easy cover. Sean Cunningham of the uh, of, of ABC 10, and you've heard him a number of times here on this podcast. I sat with him uh, at the game last night. We were watching the game. We were chatting during it, and he made a good point. The Chicago Bulls are essentially the showcase team of pieces that the Kings almost had or wanted. Otto Porter Jr., who, by the way, only had eight points, and Harrison Barnes had uh, 15 points. So that just goes to show that the Kings got the better of the two, right? In, in, uh, in trades this year, instead of getting Otto Porter, they got Harrison Barnes. I'm, I'm sure some people are going to jump to that conclusion. I'm just saying that as a joke. But Otto Porter Jr., a piece that the Kings wanted. Zach Levine, a piece that the Kings nearly paid a boatload of money for this summer. And by the way, I am not like most fans and most people who look at that and think I'm uh, they're they're fantastically relieved that the Bulls matched. I'm not I'm not disappointed that the Kings didn't get Zach Levine by any means cuz Buddy Heald has emerged and and you know what they've been fine. And I recognize that that was a lot of money for Levine services. But Zach Levine would have been really fun on this team this year. I think he would have been really, really fun. Although, of course, we can then go into the hypothetical conversation of what does that do to Buddy Heald? Does he take away opportunity from Buddy? Does Zach Levine play at the three? Does Buddy Heald play at the three? Does Buddy Heald continue to come off the bench? There's all hypotheticals, and we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. But Zach Levine's another piece that the Kings want. And then, of course, Laurie Markkinen, who's one of my favorite players in the NBA. And you talk about the perfect player for what the Kings want and need. Swap Laurie Markkinen into Nemanja Bielitsa's role. Holy crap. I mean, I did that in 2K immediately. I'm an NBA 2K uh, my GM player. One of the first moves I did was find a way to trade for Laurie Markkinen, which is how you know NBA 2K is fake and not real, because there's no way, in my opinion, unless they're getting a star, the Chicago Bulls are trading Laurie Markkinen. But Laurie Markkinen is another piece that the Kings were very interested in when he was drafted. I like this Bulls roster. I like what they're trying to do. But anyway, back to the Kings starting five. Nemanja Bialica, eight points. Willie Cauley-Stein, nine points. Nothing special from there. Like I mentioned, Harrison Barnes had 15 points on seven of 11 shooting. So the starting five, they did their job. But it was the bench that shined. In particular, the two Kings rookies. The two Kings rookies that I said last week I think should be starting for the remainder of this season. Now, that probably won't happen. The the vibe that I'm getting and, and my gut feeling, even when I was going on that spiel last week, was that there's no way it's probably going to happen until the Kings are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, and even then it might only be Marvin Bagley that gets the bump and not Harry Giles. If it were me, I still would start Marvin Bagley and Harry Giles on Tuesday against the Brooklyn Nets. But that's probably not going to happen. But boy, did Marvin Bagley and Harry Giles ball out last night off the bench for this Kings team. 21 points for Marvin Bagley in 21 minutes. 9 of 14 shooting. He was 
absolutely dynamic on the offensive end of the floor. And defensively, he was all over the place as well. Had a, a number of deflections, did have a block shot, also had nine rebounds. But I'm I'm talking about him first. And you know how much I love Marvin Bagley, how much I'm, I'm happy that the Kings got him with the number two overall pick. And we can have the conversation over and over again about Luka Doncic and whether or not, I mean, he's going to win Rookie of the Year this year, and rightfully so. He's a fantastic player. He's doing great stuff in Dallas, and good for him. I love Marvin Bagley for this Kings team, though. I am so excited. And I tweeted this out last night. Every time I see Marvin Bagley play, I get more and more fired up for the future of what he can be. He just turned 20 years old. I mean, he still has four or five years before he hits his prime. Look at what he's learned and how his game has grown just this season, not just month to month or week to week, but game to game. Stretch that over another four or five years. Sky's the limit for this dude. I'm so fired up. But I tweeted this out, and I honestly believe this. If Marvin Bagley hadn't have gotten hurt, and I'm not just talking about the uh, the injury that he suffered off of the, uh, the, the Malcolm Brogdon pick in the Milwaukee Bucks game, but all this season. Now, we're talking hypotheticals here. I'm aware of that, and things happen you can't control, and I'm not holding this against Bagley or, or anybody. But if Marvin Bagley had not gotten those two injuries, the bone bruise and then the, the knee injury from that screen, and he had not missed that handful of games, I almost guarantee you this Kings team would be a playoff team. They would have more than 34 wins at this point because he is so important for this Kings team. He is so impactful. And over the last month and a half or so, we have seen him turn into a nice piece off the bench that contributes and plays hard to a leader off the bench who does what he did last night, who leads the game in scoring in only 21 minutes of action. But I'm talking about him first because I want to talk about Harry Giles second. Now, Harry Giles only had 16 points compared to Marvin Bagley's 21, but he also played 21 minutes. Bagley played a a, a whopping four seconds more than Giles, but Giles and Bagley shared the floor together a lot. And I love it. I love it. I love when they play together. Harry Giles, 8 of 14 from the field, also had six rebounds, three assists, one steal, and three blocks. Should have had four. He blocked... A, uh, I think it was Wayne Selden. Yeah, it was Wayne Selden who went up for a tomahawk jam. And Giles got all ball. As much ball as you can possibly get on a block shot. Unfortunately, he was called for the foul. But he got all ball. So he should have had four blocks. He was everywhere on both ends of the floor. And the perfect highlight for Harry Giles' game. It was like a perfect 20 seconds. Was him blocking the shot on one end. Running the floor. De'Aaron Fox missed the transition layup, and there he was to collect it, got the put-back bucket. Crowd is going crazy. Bulls call timeout, and as he's running up the floor, he's waving up and firing up the Kings crowd on his way to the bench. That right there, that 20-second clip, which you can find right now on my Twitter account, at MattGeorgeKHDK, you can find it all over Twitter. You can probably Google it too. That 15-second clip right there, is everything you need to know about Harry Giles, what he can be, and what he already is to this team. Not to mention the fact he picked up another technical foul. He got a double technical. Him and uh, Robin Lopez got into it. So we know that he's the enforcer character, and I'm 100% okay with it. Kings are going to need that, especially when they are a playoff team competing for championships. They're going to need that Draymond Green type player. As much as we hate Draymond Green here in Sacramento, Kings are going to need that, and Harry Giles is that. And will be that. 
Speaking of Robin Lopez, by the way, it was Slamson's birthday, so I had a bunch of mascots at the Golden One Center uh, yesterday to celebrate his birthday, which is always fun. I love when they do that. And they had uh, Benny the Bull, who was also there as well, which was cool. And uh, one of the things I love about Robin Lopez, as much of a hothead as he is, he has really good bits that he does all over the league where mascots mess with him and he fights them or, or attacks them. Or, it's, it's great, and he's totally bought into it. They did a, a, a little spiel together. I also tweeted that out. You can find that on Twitter, at MattGeorgeKHDK, where he rescued Benny the Bull as he was tied up by Slamson and the rest of the, uh, uh, the, the, the mascots in the NBA. It was pretty great. It's awesome. I love Robin Lopez for that. I'm also proud of him that he didn't throw the chair in the tunnel. So good for you, Robin. But a good win for the Kings. They needed this win. 129-102. to 102. They needed a blowout. And now they look to the Brooklyn Nets, who are a playoff team in the Eastern Conference. And I love watching the Brooklyn Nets play. They have one of my favorite players in the league. Now, he's not very good offensively, but defensively, Jarrett Allen. I love watching him play. So that's going to be a fun, uh, fun game to watch on Tuesday. And I believe if the Kings win that game, they'll go 4-0 during this homestand. Because they have Dallas and they have Phoenix after that. But a good win. This is exactly what the Kings needed to do. Thirty-four wins for the first time since two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. That's incredible to say. I mean, over a decade since the Kings have won thirty-four games in a season. And why is that number important? Well, like I mentioned earlier, the Kings never won thirty-four games when they had DeMarcus Cousins at their core. And this is really the last time I'm going to say it because getting this thirty-fourth win to me is symbolic. It's a symbolic closure to the DeMarcus Cousins trade and the DeMarcus Cousins era here in Sacramento. I wrote an article that I want you to go and read. That's your homework. Yes, I'm giving you a homework assignment here on this uh, Monday. I know, giving you flash packs, PTSD to college and, and, and grade school and high school, and maybe some of you are still in it. And if you are, God bless you. Work hard and get through it. But head over to khdk.com. You can also find it on my Twitter account. You can also find it on KHDK's Twitter account. I wrote an article on KHDK.com that I really would like you to, to read or take a look at. And don't judge it based off of its headline that a lot of people already have, and I knew they were, but I don't care. The article is titled, 34 Wins, A Final Farewell to DeMarcus Cousins. And I want to read a little bit of this from for you, and I'll just paraphrase it a little bit, and I'll have you read the rest. I wrote, DeMarcus Cousins is, without a doubt, one of the greatest Sacramento Kings of all time. Despite never winning more than 33 games in a single season, Cousins' statistical and physical dominance was something to behold. He earned the cheers and support of Kings fans with his offensive explosiveness on the floor and stole the hearts of many in Sacramento with his incredible work ethic in the, or his incredible work, rather, in the community. The record books will show that every season with Cousins in a Kings uniform was a failure, but he provided some incredible moments that are cemented in franchise history. I'm going to skip a couple paragraphs down, and I am going to go to this paragraph here. Uh, Let's see. It's a tough pill to swallow for the most loyal DeMarcus supporters in Sacramento, but the Kings are in a better position now than they ever were with him. The 34 wins is a symbolic close to what was a very topsy-turvy era in franchise history. Cousins ultimately failed in his time with the Kings, who share equal blame for that failure. While for the last two years, fans have tortured themselves on what could have been, Sunday's victory should be the closure everyone left needed. And that's the line right there that I really want people to focus on. 
This win, the Kings winning 34 games in a season, being statistically and factually better than they ever were with DeMarcus, needs to be closure. It needs to be closure. And like I wrote there, fans have been torturing themselves for the last two years of just imagine if DeMarcus was on this team with Buddy Heald and De'Aaron Fox. Well, that's not possible because they got DeMar- or they got Buddy Heald in the DeMarcus Cousins trade. And I know they didn't get De'Aaron Fox directly from the DeMarcus Cousins trade, but they got they were in a position to get De'Aaron Fox because of the trade. Now, that's very, there's very big difference there. I want to make, sh- make sure you understand that. They didn't get De'Aaron Fox from the trade but they were in a position to get lucky to get De'Aaron Fox because of that trade. There's a difference there. But stop torturing yourself on what could have been with DeMarcus and if he had this talent around him when he was in Sacramento. He had talent around him in Sacramento, and it didn't work. Half of that is his fault. Half of that is the Kings' fault. But it's over. Move on. You now have a better team here in Sacramento than you ever did with him. And like I wrote in the article, that's not all his fault. But it is what it is. It is time to move on and officially put the DeMarcus Cousins era to bed. Put it to rest. Let him probably win his ring in Golden State. And that doesn't mean you don't have to support the guy. I'm rooting for the guy... Incredibly, I'm not rooting for the Warriors, I'll tell you that much, but I'm rooting for DeMarcus Cousins because I would love to see him get paid. I would love to see the redemption story complete, especially after that awful Achilles injury that he suffered in 2018, in January of 2018. I want that redemption to pay off. I want him to win a ring. I want him to get paid and go to a team where he can be successful. And God Almighty, please, if basketball gods exist, give us a playoff series at some point of the Sacramento Kings versus whatever team DeMarcus Cousins is on. Because the drama makes me salivate just thinking about it. Give us that, basketball gods, I beg of you. So root for DeMarcus Cousins all you want, and that's totally fine. And you know, there is a possibility that he returns here to Sacramento. Now, I want the Kings to avoid trying to bring him back like the plague because it didn't work. I saw enough of what I I needed to see with him here, and this Kings core is built around a young point guard and a young big already, and I don't need a veteran all-star big to come in and, and, and steal that thunder and steal those touches away. I've seen it. I don't need to see it anymore. But move on. It's time. Give yourself that relief. Let it go. Let DeMarcus go. And be thankful that the team traded away a bona fide superstar and arguably the greatest player in Kings history. Now, there's an argument for Mitch Richmond and Chris Webber in there as well. But they traded away a supreme talent. And they got better. That's very difficult to do. And Vlade Divac and the Sacramento Kings did it. In just two years. We thought it would take at least three. In just two years, they're a better team than they were without him. Or with him, rather. That's an incredible accomplishment, and that's worth celebrating. And that doesn't mean we have to trash on DeMarcus. Because that's not the point. The point is the Kings. The point is the future, and the point is right now. DeMarcus is the past. So let it go. 
And I'll try and help out with that by talking about him as little as possible in a Kings perspective. But I will talk about him in the playoffs this year when he is playing games and finally making the postseason with the uh, Golden State Warriors. Because I'm excited. I'm going to watch him. And I, I, I want him to do good. I really want him to do good. The first weekend of the NCAA tournament is the greatest betting event of the year. Whether you like filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting first-round upsets, or all of the above, MyBookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates cement their legacy at Duke with a title? Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16 seed last year? And can Kentucky get back to the Final Four? If you know the answers, or even if you don't, MyBookie is the place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone, even you, multiple bracket guy. MyBookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business, and the best part is they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking 48 hours, which is incredibly fast. MyBookie is the best, and you need to bet with the best. And then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash. Even if you're like me and don't really pay attention to college basketball that much, March Madness is an incredible time of the year and you can make it all the better by having a little fun, putting a little money down, and playing with MyBookie. And right now, if you deposit with MyBookie and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA, you'll get a 50% sign-in bonus. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. With MyBookie, you play... You win, and you get paid. Check it out. I wanted to run something by you really quick because this show is just as much for you and about you as it is for me and about me and for the Kings and about the Kings. So I wanted to get your feedback on this. I've had a couple different people reach out to me via email and reach out to me via social media and ask me to share some stories from either my interactions with the Kings covering the team, but a lot of them have been asking for me to share some stories of just me growing up with this Kings team, some fond memories that I have watching this Kings team. And I have a bunch, a lot of stuff that I get got to do as a kid leading all the way up to the access that I get to have uh, covering this Kings team. Now I try as much as possible to not talk about myself here on this podcast. Cause that's not what this is about. You don't come to this podcast for me. You come to this podcast for the Kings. And I'm very thankful from that for that and I and I definitely realize that. But if you would like for me to spend a a podcast and it doesn't just have to be me too. I would get you involved. I want to hear some of your stories. Have you send me some unique stories that are Kings related, maybe interactions that you had with players or coaches or just fond memories of games you went to as a as a kid or going with your parents or anything like that. Any story that you have, I encourage you to send them to me right now even if we don't end up doing this uh this this uh, episode of the Locked On Podcast, our Locked On Kings podcast, I, I would love to read them and just respond to them and chat with you about them because I love those stories and I like to tell the stories of my own. And I have a boatload from my time growing up as a Kings fan and, and now covering uh, the Kings. So if that is something that you would like to see brought to the Locked On Kings podcast, please let me know. You can do that in multiple ways. You can let me know on Twitter at MattGeorgeKHDK. You can email me, mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com, or you can do me a huge favor, uh, and you can let me know when you uh, leave a comment after leaving a review 
in the iTunes store. Now, I know not all of you listen to the Locked On Kings podcast in iTunes and wherever you listen to. If there's a place to leave a review, please do. That helps us out a ton for not just getting new viewership and new listenership, but that also helps us continue to grow as a podcast network and it helps me improve as a podcast host. This entire production is run by me. It's edited, the sound, everything is done by me and I'm always looking to improve and make sure it is as good as it can be for you. So the best way you can uh, get to me and and share some of your thoughts is is by leaving a review. So if you are on iTunes, if you don't mind leaving a review out of five stars and it can be positive, it can be negative, it does not matter. I learn from it, I take things from it, and I do not ignore things that aren't pro-me or aren't pro-podcast and positive. I really try and learn as much as I can from everybody and every review to make sure this podcast is as good as it can be for the majority of people. So please be a part on that, and if you want me to do that storytelling podcast at some point. It could be as soon as this week. It could be saved until the summertime when we're really going through the the dead times. Or I could make it a series. I could tell some stories at some point. I could tell other stories at other points. It just doesn't matter. But if that's what you would like uh, to see or you would be interested in something like that and hearing something like that, please let me know in any of those ways I just listed. We will be back tomorrow to preview the Kings and Brooklyn Nets inside the Golden One Center. Enjoy your night off tonight. Get through your Monday, power through, and I will chat with you tomorrow. Until then, my name is Matt George. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.